Hi everybody, welcome to Agitator. My name is J. David Osborne, and that is Kelby Losak. And today we are talking about uh, Shinya Tsukamoto's 2006 and 2008 movies, Nightmare Detective 1 and 2. Up top, let y'all know, uh, it's my personal belief that Nightmare Detective 1 is his second worst film after Bulletman, but part two is... Uh, in fact, one of my one of my favorite Tsukamoto movies. So it'll be an interesting dynamic. Yeah, and I guess I um, I had a premonition about it or something, because I said that I had heard Nightmare Detective Two redeems the first one, but uh, I don't know where I got that from, because it seems like there's a lot of lukewarm reception to the second one as well. That's what I was noticing on Letterboxd. I've been using Letterboxd a lot to steal opinions for the show. And good idea. They did not they didn't fuck with this movie, really. Um, it's kind of interesting that both movies have the same <clears throat> kind of split of how people felt about them, but for different reasons. Um, I don't really know where to go with that. I don't know if there's anything interesting there. Dude, up top, you know, Kelby's a really straight guy. He's a super straight guy. But can we talk about the gayest thing you've ever said today? <laughs> I mean, I was I was trying to, man, I was more paying his daughter a compliment. I don't mm-hmm. know. Tell, that, tell people tell people what you said. Out, tell, tell them what you that said. That came out wrong. Uh, so so Simmons sends in the group chat. You know, we're always sending pictures of our kids and shit. And oh yeah, you know, uh, you're in there too. But he uh, Simmons sends a picture of him and his daughter and his daughter looks like Simmons and right so my comment on it was what was it I said hey this is this is proof that you would be a pretty light-skinned girl and uh, <coughs> and yeah now thinking about it you know so I'm donating 100% of my portion of the profits of Agitator Patreon to the NRA to <laughs> compensate for my homosexual remarks. As, as penance, the way that people have to go on apology tours if they touch somebody inappropriately, you do that every time you say something kind of gay. You're like, uh, it's with a heavy heart that I have to announce uh, I'm going to rehab because I said... I said that my homie looked good in that shirt. Uh, I, I have to take take some time off, think about my actions, and uh, when I come back, I hope you guys will accept me back into the. Which I mean, of course we we will. You know, it's just just don't do it again. I mean, you didn't ostracize me. You know, y'all just yeah. Uh, yeah probably did the the only thing worse than ostracization, which was point out the homosexuality within that remark. Mhm. Mhm. All right. I'm glad we got that out of the way. I thought that would be a fun way to start the show. I'm sorry. Nah, man, it's okay. I as somebody who has never said anything gay before, it's a little hard for me to relate. But uh no, usually usually I'm the one who says gay stuff in the I just straight up say like what's up with everyone's penis in the chat. So, yeah, you come in like how's it hanging? And by it, I mean yeah. the dick. Yeah. It's how I make friends with, with dudes. It's by being gay with them. Um, well, that's the first thing we have in common with any guy is sharing 
possession of a penis. So, damn, I never thought about that. That's true. I mean, if you see that your homie has a car that you like, you're like, damn, that's a fly Thunderbird. But like, if you don't, if you don't know where to start, you're just like, uh. So, mine's like 13 inches. How about you? Mhm, mhm. And then they're like 13 and a half, and you're like, you're like what? Oh, that's too big, man. That's way too big. I went, oh, dude. We'll have to talk about this puppet dog when we actually get to it. I'm playing Nightmare Detective 2 in the background so that people can... It's almost like they're watching the movie with us, you know? You can kind of hear it. Um, yeah, so put I together to... in your head what's going on with the... Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. See, you get it. The I met crazy people today. There are times when I feel like I'm in a David Lynch movie. You know, you just step into a space and you know it's going to be special. And that's what happened to me today. I went to Jiffy Lube to get my oil changed and uh, took Gus. So he was eating hash browns from Chick-fil-A and kind of walking around, messing up the magazines and generally being a two-year-old menace. But there was a cast of characters in this Jiffy Lube that was, it was like a movie. There was a an old he said he was a doctor at least that's how he got me in the bathroom he said he was a doctor <laughs> he, said he was a doctor and then he, he was, popped your hood yeah he popped my hood he was wearing a huge cowboy hat and he was chomping on an unlit cigar having a conversation with uh an old like a 70 year old black man with a gold tooth and they were getting along great right but this black dude was like he was one of those really energetic, really conversational dudes. I talked to him for maybe 10 minutes, and I was already telling my life story. I was telling him about how, yeah, well, you know, I had Gus a little bit later, so, you know, it's kind of a different situation from my dad because he had me very young. You know how there's just some people who kind of do that effortlessly? Like, you just start talking to him, and you're like, I can tell this guy anything because he's not going to remember me when he walks out the door. Yeah, it's always older so it's people. Like, it's like free therapy. Yeah. Oh, do you do that? Do you do that? You go around telling people your life story? What do you have to say about he's your like, life story? He's like, he's like, he's like, yeah, it's been a long, it's been a long 60 days. It's, uh, I've got like 60 days of experience. Yeah. And let me tell you, it is something. It is chaos I've in this I've seen some hole. shit. I've seen some shit. So we're sitting there and, you know, he's talking to this, this other dude comes in. He's kind of just a normal guy. And, uh, he sits down. So this, this old guy is like talking to him and, you know, trying to get his business card. Like old black dudes are always hustling. They're always hustling, right? Like, Oh, let me get your business card. Yeah. Yeah. We, we got to link up. We got to make some money off of that. We got to hustle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then just out of the blue, he snaps, he looks at me and he goes, have you ever heard of fentanyl? I said, I mean, <laughs> you look like the right complexion of motherfucker who would enjoy this shit. <laughs> and I said, uh, yeah, I've heard of fentanyl. I think that's what killed Prince, right? And then some random guy in the corner was like, no, that was propodopolol or something like that. And I was like, okay, that's a weird time to enter this conversation. But uh, <laughs> no, no, let me so just interject said, as the my role mm-hmm. here is the Prince connoisseur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. And the drug knower. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I go back and so he's basically talking about how he's like, you know, my son, 
they he was selling he's he making $140,000 a year you know selling medical equipment they bring him into the office and they they say that he's selling cocaine lace with fentanyl to his coworkers ain't that some shit and i was like damn that's crazy and he says yeah it's cuz they're racist and in my head i'm thinking no he's probably doing that shit though for real like he's he's i mean $140,000 a year that's it's a pretty decent chunk of change for selling medical equipment which you can make i mean it's a good racket but anyway, so he's going off on this like rant. He's like, why is it that you can go to jail for selling crack, but you go to rehab for selling cocaine? And then he looks at the guy sitting next to him, just this normal dude, and he goes, I'll tell you why. W-H-I-T-E, privilege. <laughs> and the guy, and the, the guy sitting next to him just goes, uh, we'll agree to disagree. And I was like, "Oh boy, here we go! It's the royal, It's gonna, it's about to be the, the the race debates in here." And so for the next uh, twenty minutes, however long it took for them to fix my shit, like th- these three seventy-year-old men, uh, like three of them white, one of them black, are like arguing about white privilege. And this black dude was like, "He's like, if I was one of you, if I was white, he's like, I'd be I'd be a millionaire in twelve hours. You wouldn't last thirty minutes in my head." And I was like, that's kind of, that's kind of bars though. That, that is, yeah. No, I feel that. So that was my time. And I was just like, God damn, I was just going to get, usually you go to get your oil change. You're just sitting there and someone's on their phone and you don't look at each other or talk to each other. But this was a full on just discussion. It was a, it was a healing moment, I think for, for Edmond, Oklahoma. That shit is true about the cocaine shit though. Everybody I've ever known who gets pinched for cocaine just ends up in like a hospital or something. It's mm-hmm. pretty crazy. Oh no, that's the thing. Black dude was spitting facts. I mean, like I would talk to my buddy uh, Shermaine about this, and I was telling him this story, and then when I got to the end of it, he's like, "I didn't hear a part where that guy lied," and I was like, "Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's got some points." I just don't know that it's like you know completely a. It's one of those third things because it's not really. I don't. Yeah. I mean, you know. I don't think it's a race thing, but right. I don't. Right. Uh, I don't think it's a class thing either. It's yeah. it's kind of yeah. a, maybe a culture thing, mm. where because you can be like I basically get in trouble for all the shit that black people get in trouble for. That's been my experience in life. So mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, I've always been the dude who's like missed me with the privilege bullshit, but. Um, because I can just pull up receipts of where it's never worked for me. But I didn't grow up like a poor white person. I, I grew up like a black person. So right. there's there's truth to it. It's just not. There we go. So that, I'll let it slide. That kind of compensation. I'll allow it. Yeah. Like, like a judge. <laughs> I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Uh, mm-hmm. Judge race privilege. What do you have to say about this? I'll allow it. <laughs> Judge race privilege. <laughs> privilege court? That would be a fire show, dude. <laughs> you know people would tune in. We should uh Dude, they really would. If people were on trial for how much privilege they had, yo, nobody steal this idea. This is what we're pitching to Hollywood. This is how we're getting rich. Privilege court. We're just changing agitator to a privilege court. Yeah. But we we bring we bring a white person on and a black person on, and have them give us their stories, and we, because obviously we'd be the judge, right? 
So we start Privilege Court and we become multi, 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 multi millionaires. What do you think? What do you think? Are you gonna be a, you gonna be a, a bailiff? You got the face for it. Yeah, Phoenix could be the bailiff. Phoenix, the That'd bailiff. be so sick. If he had a me- if he had a mech suit, and basically what happens in privilege court is if it's found that you have undue privilege, based on what you have now, Phoenix just rips into them with a fifty cal that's mounted on his shoulder, just explodes them in front of everybody. <laughs> Where is the uh, the end of the the privilege debate really? I mean, how does that end up? If, if say you you acknowledge that you have some, and then what? Mm-hmm. What do you what are you supposed to? I th- I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's I think that is the end goal of the privilege thing. Uh, I th- see. I th- my understanding of it is that if you know that you have it, you're supposed to kind of maneuver in such a way that you give space to people who don't have it. Right, like you use your powers for good. So if you have a bunch of stuff, and but I don't know how that looks practically. I don't know what that looks like. And knowing what I know about the very basest and most basic form of human nature, I don't know who's gonna do that. You know, it's kind of like the rich kid argument. Whenever you hear people say, "Oh, well, you know, so and so famous person's child, uh, you know, became a famous artist, writer, actor, whatever." The argument against that is always, well, I mean, but wouldn't you? Like, you, so you you wouldn't do that? Like, Kelby, if you grew up and your dad was uh, Brad Pitt or something, like, you wouldn't be in movies? Yeah. You'd just be like, I, nah. I mean, that's probably the easiest one is, like, movies, right? If you got a wide-open door to be on film, you'd probably mm-hmm. go into. Mm-hmm. It, but then those same people, you know, when... Uh, Jackie Chan isn't giving shit to his kid, apparently. <clears throat> right. And they'll be like, that's fucked up. Like, you were the people who cry about Nepo babies. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, right. He's being... Oh, they just cry about everything. He's being actively uh, against that shit. He's like, nah, you don't get anything. You gotta work for it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know. That leaves kind of a weird taste in my mouth. Like, I'd blow open yeah. any doors for my kids. Yeah, I definitely opened doors for him. I was talking about this earlier today. And I think that the best thing to do if you're super rich and you have kids is, okay, so you have the money. Let's say you got $50 million. So you have the money, but you just, until the kid is, let's say, 18 or whatever, you just you don't live like you're rich, right? I mean, it, if... So my, my okay, let me let me iron this out a little bit cuz I can tell how that would be confusing. If you if you're if you're 50 million dollars rich, you live in a, you know, a 2000 square foot house. Well, you could live in like a nice-ish neighborhood. Food's always on the table, uh, but they don't get every game they want. They don't get uh, everything that they want. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, they have to like work they, for shit. You just got to instill in them the acknowledgement of like where things come from like the knowledge of where yeah that shit just doesn't fall out of the sky yeah yeah and the the tricky thing is is that you don't live lavishly either until 
they're out of the house, right? Like you, like you don't get to do. Well, I mean, you might like low key take a you know vacation to someplace really nice, and and there you live it up when your kids aren't there. But they don't have the trappings of the rich life. I'm just but gonna have that like requires a sacrifice. Diamond encased guns. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exa- no. Exactly. Closet. Exactly. And then check it out. When your kids have kids, you you have fifty million dollars. That means you have a mansion. And then you also have a modest, humble house. And so when your kids come over to visit grandma and grandpa, it just kind of looks like you live in a normal house. But they never get the impression that their family is wealthy. Because then you have the best of both worlds. You know everything's taken care of. Anything that they really want, you, you got it. Easy. But you just don't... I think people just get carried away with with the money and, and kids grow up like living in mansions and doing whatever they want to do whatever they want to do it and it fucks them up dude i know a lot of these people bro like they they get fucked up yeah i think a lot of it is like the that like disaffected uh boredom is real easy like the rich lifestyle to me always looked i thought for the longest time i didn't even want money because Mm -hmm. it looked boring i was like the last thing i want to be in life is bored because right. I mean, if you just have everything handed to you, everything done for you, what do you even like? What do you do? Right. People who just sit and play whatever video game they want all day, those people are depressed. You need some kind of conflict, something to. I'm not saying the type of struggle that we've been going through for ever, but yeah. But you know, a kind of struggle that's just like being able to overcome a challenge and feel good about yourself. Exactly. Even if that's just exactly. tuning up your own car or something. Yeah, because you get you get. I think that you, if you do it long enough, you get a taste for it, and that's why old rich people continue to work and make money because they're just in that mode, of you know of the, of actually getting satisfaction out of accomplishing things and getting rewarded for it. But then their kids don't have that. But like, dude, I mean. You could live a completely normal life, but when it's your kid's birthday, you you go to the water park and you you do it up, right? Like you just have all the food and snacks and like like you pay for all their friends to be there and their parents are kind of going like, "Wait, how are they? Like what? Like we we don't have to pay." And you just you kind of do shit like that, but you don't talk about it too much. You just be low-key filthy rich. That's that would be such a sick lifestyle. That's the lifestyle I'm aiming towards. Just low key, filthy rich. Mm-hmm. I also don't want a lot of upkeep, and I don't I don't want to employ anybody. High mm-hmm. high take. I don't want to open up any jobs. Not not in my house. I'm a, no. I'm a I'm close. I don't to want a, I don't want servants, bro. No, I'm close to being a Thomas Pension ass motherfucker. Just like leave me alone. But, uh, yeah, well, yeah, we're both getting. I still have Instagram, but you're off the whole fucking thing. I'm off the grid, <clears throat> and it is doing wonders for my career because. Yes, sir. Yeah, I started yes, getting some jobs where I, I told Erica today. I said I'm so glad I'm off Twitter. People would mm-hmm. just be trying to destroy me right now. I could see it. I could just like yeah. I could visualize it. I was like the way that things are going on Twitter at, at the moment. Mm-hmm. And several months from now, people are just going to be trying to, like, 
legit cancel me just like out of jealousy mm-hmm. not like you're not allowed to say that or i don't i don't like you i disagree with you not like that but like really yeah. trying to keep me from making money and then have to send shooters to their house and it'd be a whole thing and yeah so i just that's what people don't understand is that like (laughs) that's what people don't understand is that if you if you fuck up one of kelby's bags it's uh it's curtains it's curtains for you i had to message somebody Uh, i was like bro you know like i i am the characters i've written right like you mm -hmm. might want to shut your fucking mouth Mm mm-hmm yeah it's a good way to be because that is a level that i don't think well, there's a reason, dude, that besides, like, the baby, like, rappers don't get canceled. There's a reason why. They can say whatever they want, and nobody's like, oh, has anybody, uh, should we organize a campaign about this particular rapper's homophobia or misogyny? And it's like, not if you like your kneecaps, where they are. You probably, you probably shouldn't do That's that. That's crazy about the baby, because he actually kills somebody. <laughs> in a Walmart, bro. In a Walmart, he kills somebody in a Walmart, and they're like, that's the guy you want to cancel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he just, you know, with that whole cancellation, he he put himself. He was just too overt with it, you know. He just he just got caught up in the wrong, you know, wrong place, wrong time. I mean, any rapper could say some shit like that, and as long as it didn't go viral, <clears throat> I think what it is personally is that I, I, I don't think the baby's bad. I thought his verse on Donda 2 was really good. But I just I think that people just didn't fuck with him like that. So that opened him up to that whole nonsense. Yeah, you get too big and not, not necessarily deserving of... Because deep down, everybody, I think, wants a meritocracy. Like, knows that, that's, right. that we should be giving flowers to the people who actually deserve it. And so... Oh, yeah. At any given moment, you're going to have motherfuckers who are like, you know what? Fuck you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But he said it. Yeah, but he's 50 Cent, and you're not, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know that's true because they break that out whenever you uh, criticize somebody who is more successful than you. You get that comment back. It's like, oh, well, why do they sell way more books than you and i'm like oh okay yeah fair enough so i guess it, it is about how many things that you sell i guess that is the measure of quality which by the way and i'm dead serious about this i i fuck with that i can appreciate that as a metric it uh lit a fire under my ass i'm like okay if we're really gonna judge this shit based on how much you sell then i'll sell and i'll win i kind of needed it you know yeah, and you're going to get there with the power of, where are we at in the show? With Ant Power from DragonHerbs.com. Ant Power. Let's go. Let's go. Hey, this Ant Power shit that I've been taking has been incredible. Shout out, Cy. Shout out, Bob's Red Pill. Everybody go subscribe to rarecandy.substack.com because Cy is dropping heater after heater on that blog. They, Rare Candy has always been a holistic health podcast. You know, they started right when COVID did, basically, and sort of got their notoriety from from being a based COVID podcast, which is how I started listening to them and enjoying them. 
<clears throat> but uh, really what you'll find with people who were, let's say, uh, how do we say this, skeptical of the COVID narrative is that they tend to have just a shitload of knowledge of homeopathic, holistic, non basically non-allopathic medicines for making your life just a little bit better. It's not about drinking the blood of children so that you can live to be 125. It's not about looking like you're 16 when you're 56. It's just about feeling good and feeling better. And uh, I think that Sai has such a fucking cool, down-to-earth way of expressing these kind of things. So his, his, he, he put me on game to the, uh, like the three masters, which is uh, Reishi, Shilajit, and, and Ormus, uh, which I've been taking. And dude, my whole life is just different now since I started taking stuff that, that, that Sai recommended. But the ant power is crazy. The ant power goes fucking hard. It's uh, it's ants, bro. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it's polyrachis ants and cordyceps and a bunch of other shit. And it's for clarity of mind and strength and also uh, a little bit of sexual sexual power. So I've been uh, beating, beating it up. Yeah, you know? yeah. Your dick swells Loki. up uh, 30%. Yeah. Uh-huh. Duration. All of this has been tested and proved by the FDA, by the way. This is all completely, this is all 100% medical advice. Oh, yeah, the FDA be fucking off some ants. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, she just hung herself in Nightmare Detective 2. I hate that oh, part. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's a, that's a traumatic ass movie. It is a traumatic ass movie. It's almost worse than Kotoko in some ways. But we'll get to that. But yeah, no, people, I'm telling you, uh, uh, it is uh, Dragon Herbs, Ant Power. We're not being paid to say this. Not yet. Uh, we pitched it to him. Not yet. So we pitched it to him. We go pitched buy it. This, it this and is be like, hey, where's the agitator promo code? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, go fuck with the ants, with. dude. It's like thirty bucks. It's for a month's supply. So it's a. That's what's so crazy about supplements is that people don't buy them because they're like, oh, it's like, it's fifty dollars for a month's supply, and then I think. Bro, you drink Starbucks every day. That's a that's a hundred and seventy five dollars a month. Like, what are you talking about? It's crazy. fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. But no, I uh, I have nothing but good things to say about the ants. I've been posting in the chat that the ants are making me do things. Uh, but I have been more aggressive and just less like. And this this isn't necessarily just the ant power because, like I said, there is also the shilajit and the the reishi and the ormus and all that kind of stuff. Which ormus is just gold, so I've been supplementing gold and putting gold in my body. Uh, but I had the first week, bro, of my life that I can remember with no anxiety, and it's actually kind of crazy to just not be anxious about anything. Yeah, because you're just full of gold. See, money solves everything. Money does solve everything. I'm like Fort Knox. It's Fort Knox in my in my stomach. But, no, I mean, like, it, it's kind of hard to explain, right? I mean, like, you've had anxiety. Like, I think everybody has anxiety. And it fucks you up. Like, it makes your stomach hurt. You ruminate on shit. And I've just straight up... It's like my brain has been coming to me... Uh, like, hey, do remember this thing that used to really work to make you really scared? And I've just been like, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah. It's not that I don't care about it. I'm just like, yeah, I'm not worried about it. And my brain's like, oh, okay. But, but what about this other thing? 
Like, what if you, uh, what if it turns out that you uh, actually want to kill yourself and you can't stop yourself from killing yourself, so you kill yourself in front of a crowd of people? I'm like, that would, that would be crazy if I did that. Yeah, that would be really <laughs> weird. But I'm not worried about it. You say the darndest things. <laughs> Bro, I love that meme. That meme was uh, that I sent y'all. It's like a cartoon, and it's a picture of a liver. And it says, I filter all your toxic waste. And then it's a picture of some lungs, and it says, I, I aspirate and respirate. I, I bring you air. And then it's a picture of a brain, and it just says, reach for the cop's gun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The only time I get, like, uh, viral memes or, like, the type of memes that infect the language of everybody is through, like, mm-hmm. the group chat now. And I've seen that, like, mm-hmm. I've seen reach for the cop's gun a whole lot lately. There was that, yep. that one, uh, I think it was a TikTok where it's just like it says me when I'm reaching for the cop's gun. Yeah. <laughs> it's just some I don't it's some some yuppie Chad kind of bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just checking himself out the mirror and then walking towards the camera. <laughs> yeah, the reach for the cop's gun meme is is really tickled me. It's so funny. Oh man, he's got all the shaky cam back. Yo, he was on after this. He had to know he fucked up with Nightmare Detective 1. You want to talk about Nightmare Detective 1? There's not not a lot about Nightmare Detective 1 either. It's almost like everybody knew Mm -hmm. he kind of fucked up. Because even in in the Iron Man, the book on Tsukamoto's shit, it goes up to shit in the Bulletman era, which is three years after Nightmare Detective. There's not mm-hmm. anything about Nightmare Detective in that book. Oh, do they skip it for real? They they do. Yeah, it's like, eh, nah. <laughs> we don't really, yeah. we don't really okay. have anything to say. Uh, uh, I think a lot. I was watching it, trying to imagine if it had some color to it. Mm-hmm. I think that that dog shit color palette ruins the whole mm-hmm. fucking movie. Cause mm-hmm. it's I I couldn't I couldn't really say it was bad as far as like concept or some of the things that were on screen it gets boring but I felt like I was getting bored because it just looks so drab and ugly I didn't want to look at it. Mhm mhm mhm. No, I agree with that. I think that so he, I have some theories about Nightmare Detective about what went wrong. My first theory is that Tsukamoto was attempting to do <clears throat> a kind of, you know, Silence of the Lambs. I, I call it the Silence of the Lambs genre because that's the definitive film of the genre. It's serial killer, right? It's a you know crazy guy kills people. Yeah. Um, so he's trying to do that psychological thriller mixed with Nightmare on Elm Street. And to do that, I think that he wanted to do a mainstream movie. And my thought process is that there are some creators, and I include myself among this cast of artists, that have spent so much time in the in the world of you know attempting to do things that are emotive and evocative and you know interesting from from 
from that perspective that we'd never take the time to learn how to just make a pop movie or a pop book. This is what I'm trying to do now with my own writing. I'm trying to figure out how to like how to how to write something that has mass appeal just because I feel like it's a skill in in the toolbox that's important to learn. Oh, it's and a major skill. I talked about this on right. Rare Candy on the uh, the Gain of Fiction when we were talking about Crichton and how people say that he's kind of a hack because he just uh, is like, and then they did this, and then this, and then this, and blah blah blah. And I'm like, nah, that's a skill. Like I can't I can't turn that on when I sit down to write. Like I have to train myself yeah. to be a little bit more like that. Because a lot right. of people, obviously, Crichton wrote fucking Jurassic Park. Like, he's huge. He's fucking enormous. And I, I love that Crichton bag. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. 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 and it, clarity. I, I read a review today because I was, I was rating something on uh, Goodreads. That's the one thing I'm on. I, I'm on Goodreads and Letterboxd, if you call those social media or whatever. But. I was uh, writing a cyberpunk book on there. I was looking at some of the other reviews and shit, and a lot of people were like, this was easy to understand. Five stars. I'm like, mm-hmm. damn. you just mm-hmm. <laughs> The bar is low, bro. That's what does it for you, low. huh? You understood what yeah. was happening. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No, totally. And our personal hero, Mike, can't, he can do both. Yeah, he easily does yeah. both. I feel like he enjoys doing uh, both, and I feel like that's where Sukamoto can't get on that level. Is it doesn't feel like he has any kind of fun doing mainstream or trying to do mainstream. Right. Exactly, exactly. So I think that this was a case of just uh, an S tier auteur working almost in a different medium. It's still film, but it's just it's if you strip away everything that makes. Sukamoto, Sukamoto. Uh, I mean, in Nightmare Detective, it does have the shaky cam. It does have some pretty cool gore imagery in it, but it doesn't have that frenetic uh, pacing and focus on emotionality that his other films do, his better films do. I mean, look at, I mean, if, if you want a comparison for anyone listening, I mean, watch Tokyo Fist, Tetsuo, Bullet Ballet, and then watch Nightmare Detective. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. When you strip all that away, you find a person who, no disrespect to the goat, but is just kind of incompetent at just telling a story like this. Yeah, because when he gets crazy at the the end of Nightmare Detective, if you made it yes, a short film, yes. that's right. I was so torn with it. I was like, damn, yeah, the last fifteen yeah. minutes of this movie go fucking hard, and the mm-hmm. rest of the movie mm-hmm. just is not is not the business. But the first the first hour and a half, I mean. I think uh, I saw this repeated in other letterbox reviews. I don't know if I said it then or not, but I, I read somewhere if you cut the first 45 minutes down to 15, and I thought, yep, that's it. You'd have a tight hour and 15 minute movie that might work a lot better. Yeah, that kind yeah, of it'd still be like the length of Tetsuo, but mm-hmm. the pacing would make more sense, and you have to add color to it. Like, You'd have Jesus to. Add, well, Christ. that's my second point. That's my second point. This is where I think I think he tried an experiment. I don't think the experiment worked. You and I agree that the the major problem with both Nightmare Detective and 
Bullet Man, which is funny because Nightmare Detective 2 is between those two movies. Yes, so um, he didn't quite learn his lesson. <laughs> he didn't quite learn his lesson. Um, is the color palette. But he's attempting to show... Okay, so in this movie, basically, it's a mix of different j-horror lore things right so it's got a phone if you if you dial zero on your phone you'll get uh you'll be next up in line to get freddy krueger by sukamoto he's in the movie he's great Great. all his scenes are great he's i mean he's an incredible actor yeah fucking no notes on that uh so it's it's a mixture of that it follows a detective uh played by a real good-looking woman who, bro, I don't even speak Japanese, and I can tell she's a bad actress. Oh yeah, <laughs> she's, well she's, she's a really good-looking. Yeah, is that what? It, oh, like in Kotoko, basically. Mm-hmm. He 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 kind of got a thing. Except for she was great, fine. and that was kind of her. she was great. Kotoko was yeah. like her project. It was like based yeah, on a she story wrote it. that she wrote. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. But in, this was like the dry run for that, and it was a. Uh, it just didn't work, you know. I just and the the actual nightmare detective is uh he's barely in it, and when he is in it, he's kind of just whining like I don't want to do it. I've been reading a lot about how you need certain beats to happen, right? And the kind of alcoholic or suicidally depressed detective is a trope that you can't include, but the detective actually has to he has to answer the call eventually and this guy like pretty much never really does even when he does yeah even he's when st- he does he's, still he's just of, like i don't want to do still... it i don't want to be here and he like dude in in part two he gets so fleshed out and basically sukamoto fixes everything wrong with the first one but just to just to put a button on my initial point i think that the color palette in nightmare detective was supposed to be cold and distant and it was supposed to because of the cell phones and things like that this is 2006 one year before the iphone comes out i feel like a lot of artists at that time because we have these little antenna that that give us vibes that things are wrong there was a lot of shit there was pulse there was a lot of stuff about like the phones might be fucked up guys we might not be wanting to do this so i think that that cold color palette was supposed to reflect an incoming tide of disaffection and uh, uh, just emotionlessness. But the problem with it is that it's ugly. Yeah, it looks like ass. <laughs> yeah. No, like I get ass. it. I get it. You're, I think, and you're uh, clarifying something for me that I've been trying to reconcile in my brain because he's a God level auteur. And we see how he uses color and lighting and mm-hmm. color as lighting mm-hmm. and things like Tetsuo 2, where it's like every time there's the way that he shades a scene is with oranges and blues. You're like, God yeah. damn, you're like the best at this. So what the fuck happened? Did you go colorblind? Were you in a car accident? Like, <laughs> and Loki, I thought about that a few times because there's a car accident in Bullet Man. I'm like, did he hit his head? yeah it's like a it's like a fucking dementia patient who's like blink twice if you want chocolate milk and sukimoto's like oh chocolate milk 
blue color palette. I'm trying to get something across, but I can't get it. Yeah, yeah, no. So that on purpose, but just not, not being what he was trying to do, that makes more sense, and is a lot more respectable than just being like, oh, he lost it, which he obviously didn't. Yeah, because this comes in the now it's right. in the middle of his career, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, almost twenty mm-hmm. years ago already, and mm-hmm. he's his newer shit doesn't look like this anymore. <laughs> No, and we'll have to get some to some more late period Tsukamoto on this show. There's a uh, killing, and uh, what's the other one? It's like something like oh, they just got to the scene where she pushes the kid down. That shit fucked me up when I oh, saw it. Bro, almost uh, worse than the kid. Almost worse than the kid getting his head blown off in Kotoko. When she pushes the the kid in this, that shit looks real. I don't know how they did that and it not be real. A lot of things. But I was no, like, did I they... feel like a lot of the shit. Uh, with the kid in this movie felt uncomfortable not because like yeah in Kotoko a baby gets its head blown off but right in and it's it's like but you you can but I could almost it depends I on how you interpret pushing... it it might not actually happen you could also interpret that movie as like actually that that did happen because uh, there's a lot of unanswered mm-hmm. questions at the end of that movie but in uh in Nightmare Detective 2, even though the kid doesn't get his brains blown out, it's just the physicality of... It's just the seeing that there's an actual child on screen with, interacting in mm-hmm. this way. You're like, damn, mm-hmm. this is fucking me up. It, yeah, it's super fucking me up. Because I could see myself doing that with Gus, right? Like, I lose my patience, push him, and then there's, like, right after it, I was watching it as you were talking. That's what like, it's she, more... She, she, like, yeah. she, like, comforts him and says, like, I'm so sorry... And he's crying and sucking his fingers and all this kind of shit. And I was just like, yo. Oh, bro, the finger sucking? I was like, this kid like, is dude. such a good act. Like, it's, pro- it's really yeah. fucked up because the kid was probably actually mortified in that scene. <laughs> was like, why'd you push That's me? That's kind of low-key, low-key what I think happened here, which <laughs> so is a little head, ethically, like, it's, it's it's a ethically dubious. Actor. It's like, oh, he wasn't it's ethically acting. dubious. We just pushed what they're that doing kid down. I think she might have, bro. I th- I think it, but we got to save that for part two. But all I want to say about that for the free for the free shit is that uh, the part where she pushes the kid and then apologizes and he's crying and sucking his fingers. I was like, bro, if I have you ever just like I'll I'll use uh, Rowan as an example. I'll talk about Gus, but have you ever just like been so stressed out with the kid and you're so tired? Or whatever, and then they do something, and you feel like that, that that impulse, that flash, that back in your early twenties would have been you like punching somebody in the face, but it's a kid, you know. But you you see, it's like, you know what I mean? It's like a it's like a twisting up in your guts, and you see red for a second, but then because it's a child, you don't do shit, but it still kind of fucks with you, like you're like I was I was about to like just the kid yeah yeah and even when you pull back just a little and you just like grab him by the shoulders and you're like shut the fuck up like and then you yeah feel terrible i think that's why it fucks you up more than the kotoko scene because i'm not i'm not gonna blow my kid's head off like that's not gonna happen right it's a it's a fear that like somebody could just but that something could happen to my kid like that would be awful Mm -hmm. but it's Mm -hmm. a much more tangible fear 
in a relatable in a relatable like disgust and guilt to just see like a child pushed to the ground yeah i could see myself doing that i really could yeah there have been some times like gus hates getting his diaper changed he always throws a fit when he gets his diaper changed and the other day like he'll do like the Liu Kang bicycle kick and most of the time i'm just like whatever you know but it was fucking early and what and so like he bicycle kicked like kicked me in the chest and i just was like don't fucking kick me like i used like a demon voice and that boy looked at me like what it's just is this my father like what <laughs> and so then it's fucking great cool i get to deal with guilt for for the for the rest of the day <laughs> But like when you have those, but it's like when I did the demon voice with him, it was that red flash. You know what I mean? And I think that's what Tsukamoto captures so well in Kotoko and in Nightmare Detective 2 is that like this kind of abuse happens when it's almost an an otherworldly force just comes over you. And it's so instantaneous that you, you you have to just like not punch a child in the face <laughs> yeah I, I man, i think that's where he loses it in nightmare detective is he doesn't have any of those things that he's trying to say with yeah it. yeah it's exactly. just which by the way he doesn't have any kids i don't think like he's made some of the, these movies that are the best depictions of this shit i don't think sukamoto's a father no i yeah i think we've actually we brought that up on kotoko i'm pretty sure where it's mm-hmm. like how did you mm-hmm. you made this like the horror movie for parents Mm -hmm. and you don't Mm -hmm. even have kids yeah yeah it's weird he just understands maybe maybe he's a child at heart maybe that's what it is yeah yeah maybe that kind of stuff happened to him you never know he's the uh he's the nightmare detective my other right. my other beef with Nightmare Detective One was that the surrealist shit, the crazy weird stuff, doesn't happen until again the end, where it suddenly turns into a different movie and it's great. Right, right, right. It's like this. Where if it could have just been that, well, basically, dude. I mean, like, basically, if he could have just done Nightmare Detective Two during Nightmare Detective One, that same kind of style, it would have been a banger. Yeah. Yeah, so it basically I don't think we need to describe it any further than Nightmare on Elm Street meets Silence of the Lambs. That's pretty much what it is. It's they go and find this guy who can go into dreams because there's a serial killer who's killing people through nightmares. Yeah, he's making them stab themselves. Um per- on paper, Nightmare Detective is, I mean, it's an obvious Tsukamoto movie. You're like, oh, shit, dreams? Like, you're going to make some some scary shit? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but it doesn't get pulled off. And I think that we pretty much wrapped up what doesn't make it work. It's boring. It's dull. It's uh, It's got no personality, really. I mean, I gave it a one and a half on uh, Letterboxd, and I, on the rewatch, I, I stand by that. It's 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 not a good flick. Nah, I'd give it a, I'd give it a two and a half, because I don't know, it's kind of split. It is good at the end. Basically, 
since you can do whatever the fuck you want and you can find this movie for free just like just go watch it and skip to the end it's about a nightmare it's about a guy who goes into people's nightmares and tries to get rid of the the guy who's in there trying to kill him so that's all you need to know and just skip to the last 30 minutes or whatever and and that's a good movie that's pretty it even has color i was like what the fuck happened all of a sudden her hair is red her hair has been doo-doo brown and now it's now it's bright red like (laughs) yep yep that's a good recommendation i think that's what people should do just go uh just go watch the end of nightmare detective and then pretend that the rest doesn't exist see here on agitator we uh we love our auteurs and our artists so much that we uh once we're done with this review we just there is no nightmare detective one there's part two is the only one isn't it weird that they made a a sequel with no first movie isn't that strange well what was it like uh what is nightmare detective 2 electric boogaloo and it's uh and there was only two tetsuo movies too that's right yeah, that's right. Yeah. How would you? Yeah. So how would you? You said you put Nightmare Detective two way up there. How would you rank Sukumoto's movies? Oh, that's a really good question. Bullet Ballet is one. Tokyo Fist is two. Uh, Kotoko's next. Then Nightmare Detective two. Then and these are just the ones I've seen, obviously. Uh, and then. Tetsuo, then Tetsuo 2. And by the way, like this ranking is not indicative of them being bad movies. These are S to A tier movies for sure. Um, yeah, it's like several five stars before like... Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, and then after that, what else have I seen from Tsukamoto? Uh, Snake of June, Vital. Oh, Snake of... Yeah, Snake of June is low. It, okay, thank you. Yeah, because Snake of June's after Tetsuo Two. Because I actually like. I know we talked to Ryan about it, and I. It's again, it's a good movie. It's probably actually a B tier. I wouldn't put that S or A. I'd put that B tier. I'd put uh, Vital at low B tier, verging on C tier, and then, uh, and then there's the. Uh, the shit ones which are nightmare detective and bullet man bullet man is definitely the worst the undisputed champ of shitty sukumoto movies it's god it's pretty fucking bad it uh what about you i would what's your rank yeah bullet ballet tokyo fist that's the same exact i'd probably go tetsuo the first one number three Mm -hmm. um then kotoko then Tetsuo 2. Then. Then maybe Snake of June. Because I've been thinking about Snake of June a lot lately. Just just going through mm-hmm. Sukumoto's yeah. catalog. And I'm like. There was a lot of banger shit in there. Like I, I, I was underwhelmed by it at the time. Just a little bit. I thought it was good. But I was like eh. You know. Yeah. I just watched Tetsuo, right. Tokyo Fist, and Snake of June. And I'm like eh. But. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of cool shit going on in that. Uh, and after watching fucking Nightmare Detective and Bullet Man, I really appreciate all the blue 
all the shit that he was doing with the color and snake of Jim. right bro yeah because the blue would have been tight in nightmare detective if it had been blue like Snake of June. Right, and there's all the drowning mm. shit. There's all the underwater shit. I'm like, blue would have been a great uh-huh. color for this. Yeah, blue, I agree. Like blue and red, you know, just rip off the Freddy Krueger shit. But. Hell yeah. Uh, so Snake of June, The Nightmare Detective 2. Those are both in my. Man, I don't, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll tease out more of my feelings on Nightmare Detective too, because you think it's like one of his greatest, and I thought it was good. Oh yeah, I thought it was good. Oh yeah, I, I put it up there. I definitely I up there. thought he bounced back from Nightmare Detective. Uh, mm-hmm. It felt a little bit like a test run to the S tier for me, but mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. like a really good mixtape. Mm-hmm. Uh. And then after that, pretty much the same. I mean, you got, yeah, Nightmare Detective and, and Bullet Man. They're just, you don't. Bullet Man. We look up what we got to watch. You got me wanting to, like, watch all of them now to, like, do a definitive ranking. We have to. Yeah, we, even, we got to watch. He's got some short. So we have to watch Gemini still. Yep. I haven't seen Vital. We haven't covered it. Uh, Killing Haze, which is, like, his version of the kind of one man stuck buried. somewhere yeah, yeah buried 127 hours that kind of thing and i remember liking that shit whenever that was a trend i was like oh shit this this is this movie's gonna slap it's only one guy john paper you look back you're like that sounds retarded why would you <laughs> why would you think that was gonna be a good movie <laughs> oh because james franco was trapped under a rock for two hours Right. Okay. No, that movie. That movie was kind of trash, honestly. I, I actually. Right, so we need. To... I remember. I thought it was gonna be a banger because it was Danny Boyle. That's why mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, this shit's gonna be dope." He did some cool shit, like when uh, when Franco had to cut the tendon and he did that high pitch noise. I felt like that was effective. Yeah, yeah that, that was, was pretty good. good. We have to watch um, Hiroko the Goblin. We have to watch Gemini. Uh, we have to watch a movie called Female, mm, pass. and then we have, <laughs> and then we have to watch uh, Fires on the Plane and Killing. So one, two, uh, three, four, five. We've got five more movies. Then we can do a definitive ranking. And he did a bunch of shit before that, but it looks like it's all like 1974. What is it? Let's oh, early Super Eight short, uh, a bunch of Super Eight shit before. Uh, Tetsuo, which was 16. He has a lot of movies that fall between the cracks because people won't acknowledge anything that's under an hour a movie. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I mean, come on. It's 54 minutes, 56 minutes. Like, that's a fucking movie. That's not... He did one called It Flew in Hell. It's two hours long. It's on Super 8. I'll bet you that is not available in the United States. But anyway, so of, of the available films to us, we have five more to go before we can make a comprehensive, definitive Tsukamoto list. So insane compared next to Mike, because th- those are like the two, <laughs> those are the two like reigning gods, like sitting on the thrones yeah. at the top for this yeah. show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And we're almost done with one of them. <laughs> almost done with one and the other is like, will we even get to the end by the time we're... No. No, the whole reason we initially deviated from the Mike path was that we were like, "Oh, we don't want to, we don't want to run out of Mike movies, bro." 
Come on. <laughs> Hilarious concept. <laughs> Hilarious concept. And now here we are. We talked about anime, books. We're going to talk about music with Adam. I mean, like, eventually we, we maybe season, what season is this? Is this two or three? I forget. For us? Uh-huh. I don't know. I don't do that gay season shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought you were the I thought you were the one who said that we were in season two. Didn't you say this? Oh, man, I really am. T- the money is making me gay, man. <laughs> anyway, I said that at too. some point in the future, we uh, we have to like kind of laser focus in on me. Gay. I picture and do a deep dive. I picture our show as like an axe. So there was the act one that got us, you know, we were getting our feet mm-hmm. wet. Mm-hmm. And I feel like shit turned after Genocyber. So that was like, yeah. that was a season finale for sure. Right. And then, uh, and then I don't, I don't know. Uh, we're kind of in a classico phase right now. We're in, yeah, we're in no a guests. kind of, kind of out of necessity, but also just to, um, just because scheduling is a nightmare and uh mm-hmm. and just you know we gotta prove to the people that this is our show i get i get tired yeah. of the numbers dropping when we have we have a guest and then we don't have a guest and people are like oh, i'll skip it it's like okay mm-hmm. uh how about we never have a guest again then huh how about that how about that? <laughs> how does that, how does that sound and the numbers get better like okay well i guess if they do the people got it these they two, got it they're like okay yeah, okay i guess like uh, i guess these fucking idiots are gonna just keep just doing episodes like this you're absolutely right that is what we're doing yeah it has nothing to do with our our lives being incredibly complicated and just like it'd be <laughs> it'd be rude to to have a, a third person where we're going hey actually you know what uh sunday went to shit um, I'm, I'm broke mm-hmm. down two towns over and uh, how mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. how about tomorrow at midnight I'm like what <laughs> yeah that's about the <laughs> only time that's gonna work for me <laughs> to be honest that's true that's true when our schedules were a bit looser and we had more money we were guests whenever yeah it's fine yeah come on oh what works for you Oh, uh, you know, Wednesday at 7 p.m. Gosh, oh, fuck it, man. Sure. Yeah, bro. There was, a, there was a while there where I was like, if it was agitator day, it was agitator day. I do what I, you know, I do things here and there, mm-hmm. but pretty much I just be open. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I've, I forgot to eat. Oh, it's all good, bro. You know, it's, it's agitator day. Mm-hmm. I got the whole day. Now I'm like, no, nah, no, nah. no, no. But you know what? You know what makes us better than other podcasts? We still do it. We still do it. <laughs> we pare down where we have to pare down. In five years, when we're you know still doing this and making real good money from it, we'll have guests again. Of course we will. Because <laughs> we'll just be like, yeah, we're fucking uh, in- stupidly wealthy from this show. So, uh, yeah, we'll just schedule people and we could even schedule them like hey what works for you because any time works for me yeah make money off the show i don't care about time but too many people like shit gets hard and they're like oh we're putting the show on hiatus no we we record through the hiatus 
Yeah, there's no hiatus. There's no separation in this bitch. It's like, it's ride or die or fucking divorce papers. I saw a sign on the side of the road today. It said, uncontested divorce, $150, 250 with kids. And I thought, God damn, it's, it just seems so easy to do that. So, so, huh. Like, if y'all both want to get divorced, 150 bucks and you're not married anymore. Well, right, Bro, right, paid... because the money in it all comes from dragging out the arguing and shit. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It felt, I don't know. It gave me a weird That is weird, feeling. though. That is really weird. The the fact that like I paid more for supplements this month. It's sort of like uh you... it's like the Futurama joke, the suicide booth. And it's like insert twenty five mm-hmm. cents. Like, mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Kill yourself for a quarter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's exactly it, dude. I don't know. It just felt like, you know, a marriage is this thing where you're with somebody who you love or loved at one point and maybe you're going through hard times and I'm not anti-divorce this isn't a fucking stupid right wing whatever like never get divorced just work through Bro, it especially no, for the kids for sure. if you get like don't yeah. Jesus Christ don't traumatize just, those kids just, no just get divorced it's fine but it was something about like the crassness of it being like hey 150 bucks we'll take care of that shit I felt weird to me felt like there should be something that you have to do like burn your nipple or something like that <laughs> like you, sh- you should you should have <laughs> you have to get the market like get the, like <laughs> like get divorced if like, get divorced if you want to but also like you know you also have to have somebody fucking slide tackle you really fast <laughs> you know like like <laughs> Like some some kind of pain. Just like and sign here, and then some dude just runs into the room. <laughs> Fucking Pe- Pele comes out. Just <laughs> no. Uh, Can I wear shin guards? It's like you're getting divorced. No. It's a it's a testament to the strength of our commitment to this show because we're kind of in that era where it's like, you know, uh-huh. it's it's rough. It's rough. Like, sure. oh, y'all are just, you know, in love, hard eyes and rainbows. Like, nah, nah, shit's kind of hard. It, it's like, mm-hmm. it's usually like, hey, bro, I'm sorry. Can we, uh, it's nine o'clock, okay? It's like, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. that's cool. I get it. A kid threw up on me. I've, I've, shit, that's what that smell is. I have vomit on my arm right now. <laughs> oh, dude. So, Gus had a fever yesterday and he, uh, so we got some, um, like, Robitussin, like, baby Robitussin or whatever. And I bought grape flavor. Turns out he doesn't like grape. Oh, right? man. Not a, not so a real Houstonian. I, uh, no, no. I love grape. I, I saw grape. <laughs> I was thinking about it from my perspective because I, I love everything grape. And I was like, oh, sick, grape flavor. And I bought it. I brought it home. Rios was like, he's never tried this. You think he'll like grape? And I said, "Are you fucking kidding me? Of course he'll love grape. Yeah, grape well, is awesome. He, he did not. Flavor. He did. He did not. He did not love grape. Mm. So I, um, I, uh, I got, I sent the shot of uh, of grape down his throat. Which, by the way, do you know what the in, the difference between infant 
Robitussin and toddler Robitussin is, there's only one difference. Mm-hmm. One comes with a syringe and the other comes with a cup. You got it. You nailed it. That's it. That's the only difference. Dosage is the same. It's the same fucking thing. Damn. I'm impressed, bro. You nailed that in one. Um, but uh, what can I so say? I, I, ain't I get my him. first rodeo. <laughs> ain't my first rodeo. <laughs> I've fucking been here, dude. I've fucking been here. Uh, so anyway, so I get him to uh, you know to take the grape, and he's looking like he's gonna throw up, and he uh, he does some weird shit, like he's trying not to swallow the grape or whatever, but he chokes on it, right? And Gus has never choked, before. like not really choked, not panic choke, like he's choked on a spit, but he choked on that grape. And he, like, started flailing his legs and arms and, you know, just, like, he was going, like, and I knew he was fine. So, like, I didn't freak out at all. I was, like, okay, it's liquid. Like, you're not going to die. It's not a fucking chicken bone. But uh, it was weird to see him choke for the first time, right? But the way that my story links into your story is that after that, he just projectile vomited onto my face and clothes and whatever but i was i was chill i didn't get the the red or i was, I was just like okay yeah that's fine in fact i wore the i wore the jeans i got some puke on my jeans i'm wearing them today this happened yesterday because uh that's how little of a fuck i give yeah yeah so a little uh i got some news i can't disclose yet publicly but got uh signed contracts for a secret project major bag alert major Major, bag alert alert, next level shit and same day you know gonna buy some booze some styrofoam cup booze and just come home and you know Mm -hmm. celebrate quietly with the fam and the dryer breaks and so I'm like, this is the kind of shit. I swear to fucking God. <laughs> Every fucking time, dude. The dryer breaks. And uh, so since the dryer's broken, I got vomit on my clothes. My issue, the killer shirt, my jeans. And we're just rocking it. I got to wear these clothes for three more days. Because the fuck am I going to do with wet clothes that ain't got nowhere to dry? But you know what? The fucking episode comes out. The fucking episode. Have we missed an episode? We've never missed an episode. We've never missed a fucking episode. We'll, we'll miss right. a movie. We won't even engage with the shit we're talking about, but we will not miss an episode. No, sir. We'll pretend no, that we read that shit, and we'll just do it. <laughs> we'll just do it. We'll read the Wikipedia 15 minutes before the episode starts like so uh yeah what is this what is this book called snow on the bluff oh no that's a mo- okay no that's we're talking about <laughs> the mission of love snow on snow on something snow on something i remember an episode of uh almost good when you were doing that with keaton where mm-hmm. i think it was quiet place and he he brought up uh something about the alien breaking out in a dance number or something you were like oh yeah that was really weird and he goes you didn't watch the fucking movie (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm like, damn, he blew your cover. I'm listening to it, and I'm just like, damn, that happened. That's crazy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna watch The Quiet Place, bro. I have watched every movie for this show, though. I don't think I've ever cheated on this show. Uh, I cheated a little bit on Gaunt's. Um, uh-huh. I didn't quite make it to where we were talking about. Oh, no, you know what? I take it back. Berserk. But I was open on the episode. Oh, yeah, you said you it. said that you didn't make it to the part that Grant and I had read to, which we gotta, mm-hmm. we gotta get back to Berserk. We do, because they're coming out with new episodes. It's a perfect, it's a fertile ground for, uh, you know, getting new listeners when these new chapters come out. Yeah. Like, just doing episodes on, like, new Berserk chapter dropped. Uh, we can we can spin an hour out of a chapter. Why not? Oh, easy, easy. Because that's usually like, they release them like two or three at a time. That's like too. the Bible. It's, it's not usually just one. Yeah. Everyone assumes that we're the ultimate. We are the ultimate authority on Berserk, but uh, mm-hmm. no, I haven't read past the last time we talked about it on the show. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have time to consume any media unless I'm talking about it on the show. <laughs> I've been trying to, dude. I've been, uh, I have some paperback books, and I've been committing myself to a chapter a day, to these paperback books. The Chronicles of Dao, which uh, Sai, which who he mentioned in the Ant Power segment, he sent it to me. He's like, bro, you got to read this shit. So I've been getting through that, but uh, I kind of do feel like I'm in a period where I can introduce new just fun recreational activities into my life uh i don't want that to be a kind of fucking you know curse that i put on myself but (laughs) but uh but yeah no it's like it's like it, it it feels like the boat the boat has been choppy for the past three four months for agitator uh, in terms of just like yours and my personal lives, uh, but it feels kind of like it's it's not like it's getting stable to the point where it's like oh yeah this is fucking great, but it's kind of returning to how it was five or six months ago, where it's like still got to make money, still got to hustle whatever, but that storm was fucking crazy, bro. That storm was nuts. It was it was nuts. It was a diff I'd call it the worst time in my life if it didn't if I didn't have a support system like I do now. Cuz like looking I I can look back at times where you know, I didn't have anything at stake. And that that's why now like the struggle was like, man, this is the worst shit I've ever gone through. It's because there's a lot more at stake, but it, it but it doesn't feel like that because I know what we're building towards and I have a and I have a support system I didn't have back in the times where I would actually consider the worst time of my life because they were just a just a void of hopelessness on that note folks uh, subscribe to our patreon agitator uh, patreon.com slash agitator we're gonna continue the discussion we're gonna talk about how Tsukamoto completely redeemed the travesty that was Nightmare Detective 1 with Nightmare Detective 2. 
which it might be an interesting conversation because apparently I, I, I fucked with it a lot more than Kelby. Uh, so we can address that and, uh, and we'll talk more bullshit and have more fun. So come on over. Let's go.